Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. When I was asked before the presidential election of 2016 who was going to win between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, I said that I thought that Donald Trump would win. Now, now that was not a very popular opinion as, as the vast majority of people you know, looked at the polls and thought that there was just no way that that would happen. Now, the reason I was convinced that I would be proven right was that Hillary Clinton had such high negative numbers. I just could not see someone with that high of unfavorable numbers ever winning a national election for president. Fast forward to today. <laughs> I have many people coming to me and asking about you know, next year's presidential election and what I think of how the primary is going to go and, and what my opinion was of the first Republican debate. So here is what I think, and please keep in mind that this is just my opinion, and, and I could be entirely incorrect. But let's let's first take a, a quick look at who is running. Well, first of all, obviously, Donald Trump. Uh, he was the 45th president of the United States, and he officially announced his candidacy for the 2024 president's, uh, presidential election on November 15th of last year. Now, Trump was was first elected, as we know, to the presidency in 2016, and he received 304 electoral votes to Hillary Clinton's 227. Trump was defeated, though, in 2020 in the presidential election there, receiving 232 electoral votes to Joe Biden's 306. Now, Trump was framed, uh, or has, has framed his campaign as a return to his America first agenda, contrasting his administration against the Biden administration. And in his campaign announcement, Trump said, America's comeback starts right now. When I left office, the United States stood ready for its golden age. Now we are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. For millions of Americans, the past two years under Joe Biden have been a time of pain, hardship, anxiety, and despair. Now, key policy initiatives during Trump's first term in, included the United States withdrawing from the I, Iran nuclear deal. That was a really good thing. The passage of the Tax Cuts and the Job Act of 2017 and, and First Step Act of, of 2018, reducing the size of uh, ISIS uh, caliphate and establishing the Space Force as, the, as an independent military branch. And Trump made more than 200 federal judicial appointments. That was a lot. And he also, of course, as, as I said, would, would probably be his legacy uh, of that term would be that he um, also um, appointed three U.S. Supreme Court justices. Now, who's Ron DeSantis? Because he's right now in second place. He is the governor of Florida, and he has served in the position since 19... Uh, uh, since 2019. DeSantis announced his candidacy uh, way back on, on May 24th of this year. And in, in his campaign announcement, DeSantis said that he would reduce government spending and inflation, uh, increase sec security at the U.S.-Mexican border, 
support funding for law enforcement, increase domestic energy production, reduce the uh, authority of the administrative state, and relink, uh, reestablish integrity in our institutions by reducing focus on matters not central to the mission, whether it's global warming or gender ideology and pronouns or that type of thing. That's directly what he said. So DeSantis highlighted his record as governor of Florida, saying, quote, in Florida, we proved it could be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over writing and disorder. We held the line. And that's true. Before serving as governor, DeSantis represented uh, Florida's 6th Congressional District in the U.S. House from 2012 uh, to uh, 2018. And there's also a guy that you might not have heard about till very recently. His name is Vivek Ramanswamy. Now, he is an entrepreneur, a political uh, commentator, and an author. He officially announced his candidacy uh, for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination on February 21st. And, and Ramsey has has centered his campaign around reducing the size of the federal government, supporting uh, freedom of speech, opposing environmental and social and uh, corporate governance, the, the ESG thing that we talk about. He's also, uh, uh, he opposes China uh, quite heavily and opposing affirmative action as well. And in his campaign announcement, he said that this isn't just a political campaign. This is a cultural movement to create a new American dream for the next generation. He, he, uh, he calls it like a revolution, basically. Now, Vivek is probably, I would say, the, the most well-known. Um, he's, he's most well-known for his YouTube videos. You may have seen some of those. He is very good at that. Lots of charisma, lots of... Um, yeah, he he know he knows what to say. He, he's he's pretty slick. There's also Mike Pence, and I'm sure you've heard of him. He is the former vice president of the United States, and he served alongside President Donald Trump from 2017 to 2021. He officially uh, filed uh, to run on June 5th, and Pence highlighted the the economy, abortion issues, and his religious background as central themes to his campaign. Pence said that that he would uh, make the tax cuts passed during the Trump administration permanent. Because uh, they aren't, just so you know, uh, they are due to expire. Um, he would reduce financial spending and support investment in domestic energy uh, production and security at the U.S.-Mexican border. Now, Pence also said that he would appoint federal judges who would stand for the sanctity of human life and said that he would not relent until we restore the sanctity of life to the, cent- to the center of American law in every state in the land. Uh, before assuming office of vice president, Pence served as the governor of Indiana from 2013 to 2017 and as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from 2001 to 2013. Um, you know, he, he, the, the biggest problem with Pence, in my eyes, is that he, he, has, he was given kind of a, a, a raw deal uh, when he was vice president because uh, Trump didn't like what he what he did at the very end, and so there's a lot of people that don't like Pence because of that, and that's that's the thing that's hurting him the most. Now, Nikki Haley, uh, you may have heard, 
was the UN ambassador in the Trump administration from 2017 to 2018. She officially announced her candidacy back on February 14th. Haley um, has focused her campaign on foreign policy, uh, which is not not a surprise, uh, economic and immigration issues. And she supports U.S. financial aid to Israel and Ukraine, uh, ending congressional earmarks and reducing inflation and the mandatory use of E-Verify. Now, d- during her campaign launch, she also called for the new political leadership, saying, we won't win the fight of the 21st century if we keep trusting politicians from the 20th century. Uh, before serving as the UN ambassador, Haley was the governor of South Carolina from 2011 to 2017 and uh, represented District 87 in the South Carolina House of Representatives from 2005 to 2010. There's also Chris Christie, and this is not his first rodeo here. Uh, Chris Christie was the governor of New Jersey, as you may remember, from 2010 to 2018. He officially filed back in June uh, 6th, so not that long ago. Uh, Christie has centered his campaign around criticism of former President Donald Trump. Uh, he, Speaking of Trump, during an interview with Fox News, Christie said that he's a failed leader. Uh, he gave him uh, a Republican House, a uh, Republican Senate, and he failed. He failed us by losing the House, by losing the Senate, and by turning over the White House to Joe Biden. Uh, during his campaign launch, Christie said that, quote, the reason I'm going after Trump is twofold. One, he deserves it. <laughs> and two, it's the way to win. Um, Christie ran for Republican presidential nomination back in 2016, and he, he uh, suspended his campaign on uh, February Uh, 10th of that year after receiving only 1.8% of the vote in the Iowa caucus and receiving 7.4% of the vote in the New Hampshire primary. Um, He he is kind of seen as in the race simply to try to take out Trump. And that's, he he definitely um, leans in that direction. Uh, But what about Tim Scott? Some of you might not have heard of Tim Scott. He is a U.S. Senator from South Carolina. He has served in the position since 2013. Scott announced his candidacy uh, back on May 22nd of this year, and he formed a presidential exploratory committee back in April 12th of this year. Uh, Scott highlighted the economy, the schools, um, the public safety, and central. Uh, th- those those are central themes of his campaign. Scott said that he would reduce taxes and the national debt, increase U.S. manufacturing support charter schools, and support investment in the military, law enforcement, and security at the U.S.-Mexican border. Uh, he has uh, he also spoke about his background growing up in a really low-income household, saying, quote, I'm the candidate uh, the far left fears the most. I disrupt their narrative. I'm living proof that America is a land of opportunity and not a land of oppression. Uh, he's the only black candidate on, on the Republican ticket there. Um, and before serving in the U.S. Senate, Scott uh, represented South Carolina's first congressional district in the U.S. House from uh, 2011 20 to 2013. And, uh, and, and there are others. Uh, you may have heard of Asa Hutchinson. He was the governor of Arkansas. He assumed office on January 13th, and he left office on January 10th of 2013. Uh, 2023 this year. Hutchinson previously served in the U.S. Congress, representing Arkansas, uh, 3rd Congressional District from 1997 to 2001. 
Yeah, he was also one of 13 House managers during the impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he was also a member of the Bush II administration as the Undersecretary uh, for Border and Transportation Security for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security um, for a couple of years and the Director of the Drug Enforcement Administration from 2001 to 2003. Um, somebody you may not have heard of, uh, Doug Burgum. Uh, he's actually the governor of North Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry, North Dakota. There we go. Uh, North Dakota. He has served in the position since 2016. He's officially announced uh, back in June 7th. So again, not very long. Uh, Burgum has uh, focused his campaign on energy production, the economy, and national security. Burgum said that he would cut taxes, reduce inflation, and the cost of living, and increase domestic energy production. He's also highlighted his background as governor of the small population state. And he said, quote, we need someone in the White House with small town values who understands how real Americans get up every morning and put food on the table. Uh, before serving uh, in the elected office, Bergham founded Great Plains Software in 1983. Yes, and that uh, that company was actually acquired by Microsoft in 2001. So he, he made a chunk from that. And he then uh, worked at Microsoft as a senior vice president from 2001 to 2007. There, um, there, there are a few more uh, candidates out there, but but those candidates are not candidates that have even a strong enough campaign that they were invited to participate in the first debate. Um, of these nine here that uh, I just talked about, um, that they um, that not not all nine. Uh, actually made the debate, uh, as you may you may know, um, but but you know who 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 won the debate and 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 how did that go? Mate, you might not have seen it, um, and and it, it's kind of interesting some of the numbers that have come out after the debate. How did it change how people saw these candidates? Well, from a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes this: a top poll conducted before and after the first 2024 Republican Party uh, presidential primary debate re revealed that more Republicans voted, uh, more Republican voters who watched the debate are now considering voting for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to be the party's nominee than any other candidate, including former President Donald Trump, they said. The, the poll also showed former U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley gained the most ground of any of the candidates. But the new data from uh, a um, 538 uh, poll, uh, along with Washington Post poll and Ipsos poll, uh, showed DeSantis garnered 29% of the vote, while uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, he, he received 26%. And Haley received 15%. Now, among GOP primary voters who said that they would consider voting for each candidate, former President Donald Trump, who chose not to debate, entered the night at the top of the spot with 66.2%, saying that they that uh, they would consider voting for him. Um, what's really interesting, though, is that a lot of people that, that uh, would say that they would consider voting for Trump also said they would consider voting for a lot of other people as well, which is interesting. Now, after not showing up, that number dropped down to 61.4%. So it didn't really help him to skip the debate. DeSantis entered the night uh, at uh, the number two position, of course, at 63%. And after the performance, moved into number one, 67.5%. Haley was the biggest mover overall, going from 30% to 47 
And another poll commissioned by the New York Post also gauged which candidate viewers thought won the debate and found Ramaswamy with a slight edge over DeSantis. Uh, The poll conducted by a Canadian-owned market research and analysis company found that 23% of the voters chose Ramaswamy, uh, 21% DeSantis, and 11% for the former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, The Washington Post poll also measured candidates' favorable and unfavorable ratings. I think this is really important. uh, DeSantis ended the night having the highest overall favorable rating at 72.4% and the highest net favorable rating at 47. Haley saw her net favorable rating actually shoot up 13% percentage points from 26 to 39, while Warmaswamy net favorable saw the reverse, actually. He actually lost 9 percentage points going from 37 to 28, and and Donald Trump uh, dipped from 31 to 24. Um, I think this Ramaswamy thing, he, he was very energetic, but he was very confrontational. Not everybody likes that. Uh, Senator Tim Scott uh, had the lowest unfavorable ratings. Uh, He's just a really nice guy. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. Uh, He had an unfavorable rating uh, of 23.2, really low, while President DeSantis had the second lowest unfavorable number at 26.8. Scott had the second best uh, net favorable rating of 42% as well. Uh, The same poll also asked Republican primary voters who did not watch the debate what they did instead. And this is this was kind of interesting. Only seven percent said they watched Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson, which fell behind several other options, including doing housework <laughs> at eleven percent, uh, watching uh, something else on TV at twenty nine percent, and a report said that approximately fifteen million people actually clicked and watched the forty five minute interview for at least two seconds. That's kind of how they they uh, monitor that. That number is higher. Uh, though, than the number of people who watched the debate live, uh, which it was roughly 13 million. But it's, it's really tough to, to compare those numbers because they're, they're just tabulated so differently. But of everybody that, that, uh, that commented on the debate, I thought that Ben Shapiro said it best. He said, everybody on stage basically accomplished his or her goal last night. He said, DeSantis, avoided fire because everybody was kind of gunning for him. He's the number two guy. He wasn't, you know, Trump wasn't on stage. DeSantis was. So, you know, the thought was even going into it that he was going to get, you know, a lot of fire and he avoided a lot of that fire. And so he, he made his goal. Uh, Vivek gained uh, attention and yes, he definitely did. He, he gained a lot of attention. He was the lightning rod of the evening. Uh, Haley picked up uh, steam in the traditional GOP lane. Uh, Christy uh, solidified the never Trumper lane because yeah, if you, if you don't want Trump, uh, Christy is definitely your guy. I mean, he's the one that goes after Trump. Uh, Pence defended his legacy and that's really what he's doing in this race right now with his numbers. They're kind of low. And, uh, and really, he's, he's trying to defend his legacy here. And Trump is still 40 points ahead. <laughs> so it's, it's, it was a pretty good breakdown. But I, and I think Shapiro breaks down the, the, the primary into different factions. And, and this interesting as well. Uh, he believes that there are the always Trumpers. These are people that will vote for Trump no matter what. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. He can be in prison. It doesn't matter what, what the case may be. They're going to vote for him. Uh, he's a populist member. Trump is a populist. He's not an ideologue. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he kind of says and does what, you know, what, what the majority of people want. And that's obviously our country still 
uh, is more conservative than it is liberal, no matter what you see on, on, on propaganda media. And so Trump oftentimes leans that direction. And, and so people love that. And, and they, they, you know, they see that he's, you know, he's their champion type thing. Um, very charismatic, knows how to, how to, you know, work a, a camera and, and that type of thing. So, uh, there's, and there's another one though. There are the never Trumpers and these are people that really don't like him and will never vote for him. <laughs> it just doesn't matter what he does. They won't necessarily vote for the Democrat though. Uh, but you know, they may just stay home because they're, they're just never going to vote for Trump. Uh, there's a third faction and that, uh, that is the sometimes Trumpers. Uh, they are some, kind of somewhere in the middle as, as they, they, um, they, they like what Trump did for the most part as president, but they are somewhat turned off by, you know, like the last year or so of his presidency and, and, um, and, and, and somewhat by his, his behavior and, and, you know, what he says and does and, and that type of thing. They are also not convinced that he can win this time around. And I think that's kind of important. I want, I want you to kind of remember that a little bit. Uh, then there's the last, that there is the last faction, uh, of the Republican party. And that is the staunch conservatives. These are people that hold to like traditional conservative Republican values, uh, they're more ideologues. Uh, they, they they know what they believe. They 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 see it as 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 working uh, when it's employed. They place more importance on issues rather than personality. And they sometimes call themselves uh, you'll hear like Reagan Republicans and things like that. Um, and and these are the four different factions. And in order to take the nomination, a a candidate has to really appeal to at least three of these four groups. Now, obviously, Trump has the always Trumpers. <laughs> he has he has that faction locked up, right? But but can a candidate gain enough votes from the other three factions to beat out Trump? I mean, that's that's the question, right? So far, the answer to that question is no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is why Trump did not show up to the debate on Wednesday night, and and instead did an interview with Tucker Carlson. Former President Donald Trump opted for a one-on-one interview with ex-Fox News host Tucker Carlson in an interview that was released on X and uh, timed to compete with Wednesday evening's GOP presidential primary uh, debate. (laughs) Uh, While every other candidate who met the Republican National Committee's criteria chose to attend the debate and take questions from moderators, Shannon Bream and Brett Baer, Trump cited a, a poll that showed him with a comfortable lead saying, quote, I will therefore not be doing the debates. Um, and he put that in plural, by the way. Uh, the same poll also showed that the majority of Republicans wanted to see the former president on the debate stage. But instead, Trump sat down uh, with Carlson to discuss a wide range of topics from his reasons for skipping the debate to the problems with uh, corporate media. Uh, Carlson's uh, 46-minute broadcast preempted the start of the debate by five minutes. (laughs) And after a a few brief digs at the other Republican candidates, they settled in on a uh, a long conversation focused on Trump's claims that the 2020 election uh, had been rigged, uh, whether or not President Joe Biden's physical or mental health uh, would allow him to make it to the 2024 general election, and issues... uh, that the next president would would likely face. Now, the pair bonded actually over their mutual dislike for 
um, you know, the Fox News Sunday host, Chris Wallace, <laughs> and then briefly butted heads, actually, over the fate of the late uh, convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, which was kind of interesting, when Carlson said that that he was wholly convinced that Epstein uh, had been killed. Trump uh, said, uh, while he had, he admitted a a case could be made for someone killing him, he said that he thought Epstein was, had likely panicked at the prospect of possibly spending the rest of his life in prison and took his own life. Now, the interview wrapped essentially where Trump had started in 2016, presidential campaign, with his his assessment of the ongoing crisis at the U.S.-Mexican border, uh, followed briefly by his concerns about uh, division in the wake of what happened on January 6th. Now, watch watch this whole trend of of not debating. I, personally, I'm not a real big fan of it. I understand it and, and, and why it happens, but I wish it was not so. I, I will guarantee that there will not be a general election debate between Joe Biden and whoever gets the Republican nomination. This, this just will not happen. I mean, if the nominee is Trump, how can he say that, that Biden needs to debate him? Trump didn't debate in the primaries. So for me, it's kind of a sad thing that this is kind of a beginning of the end for political debates. But but let's look at you know, now at, at, the, at the primary race and see what is happening there. There are eight people on the debate stage um, there on Wednesday, and, and that is without Trump participating. But not all nine individuals have a serious chance of becoming the Republican nominee. I mean, the, the latest polls by Real Clear Politics, which is is a, like a, a poll of the polls sort of thing, uh, has Donald Trump up by 40 points uh, to his nearest competition. Some of the polls have him up by as much as 52 points. and But some of them have him as low as 27. And, and I know it's really early. Okay, I get that. But... This is a really huge lead when it comes to a political race. This means that realistically, even though there are eight candidates on that stage um, debating each other, there is probably only one candidate that has even a chance of catching Trump, and that is Ron DeSantis. Uh, you, You may say, but but what about Trump's indictments? Well, the funny thing is about those indictments is that he, it, they're actually helping Trump in the polls. I mean, Trump's poll numbers have gone up with each indictment. How, how could that be? How could someone who is g- going to trial <laughs> benefit from all of that? Well, in my opinion, the indictments are seen by the vast majority of Americans as political indictments. People look at situations like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and, and others, and, and don't see any accountability there. Then they look at Trump and how he was impeached twice, once for a phone call to the Ukrainian president about a situation that turned out to be true about the corruption with the Bidens, and the second for allegedly um, inciting an insurrection an insurrection that even the FBI said never happened. It wasn't an insurrection. And the DOJ has never even convicted anybody of it. The other thing is the timing of these indictments. You don't have to read or know what is in the indictments to know 
you know, that you can just look at the timing of these things and know that they are hugely political. They are designed to influence the election without a doubt. Many of these George Soros-funded DAs and prosecutors ran their campaigns, promising that they would do this very thing and go after Trump. So it is no surprise that we see what's happening and know that it's deeply political. It is designed to interfere with the presidential election of 2024. So even the average Joe that does not follow politics or current events like like I do can can plainly see that Trump is being treated unfairly and 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 they can well for lack of a better word, uh, word root for him to win. Will Trump be convicted of any of these charges? Well, he very well might be. I mean the only one that seems to have any real merit at all is is the one um, out of Florida. This is the one where he uh, was recorded um, showing classified information to some of the, the writers saying that uh, he, he could declassi- declassify them, but didn't. Um, but he, he could also be convicted in Washington, D.C. Uh, and the indictments there as well, since the city of Washington, D.C. is like 95% Democrat, right? But, but how will all of, of that play out? Well, who knows? Uh, th- this is is all unprecedented waters. But one thing for sure um, is that that many see what is happening and there are many that are taking the side of Trump because they don't like how he is being attacked. He has definitely done things that he, he shouldn't and said things that he shouldn't. And he has been his own worst enemy at times. He shoots himself in the foot all the time. And, you know, I mean, that goes without saying, right? But all in all, he has seen he, he's seen as someone that the leftist liberals are targeting with all of their might, and they don't like it. This is making it hard for Republican, uh, Repu- any of the Republicans to catch him in the primaries. DeSantis is the only one that really has a shot at doing so, and 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 only only then if he is able to pick up some momentum soon. All the others in the race, well, they don't really have a shot, unfortunately. And they are, you know, they're really, they're in it because they're looking for like a cabinet position or something like that, uh, maybe name familiarity or, or, or something along those lines. But all of this brings up another point that we need we need to really talk about. And that is how will this affect the election? Just like my prediction in, in 2016, the principle still stands. Someone with a very high unfavorable rating can't win the national election. The monkey wrench in this election cycle, though, is that Joe Biden's unfavorable ratings are just as bad as Trump's. (laughs) Real Clear Politics, again, has Donald Trump's negatives at 57%. Man, that's high. But Joe is not that far behind, 54%. I mean, this could very well be a race to the bottom. In other words, if Trump is the nominee, the the deciding factor could be what the campaigns are about. If if they are about how bad the economy is and how incompetent Biden is, then Trump will win. But if it is more about Trump and how unfair he is being treated and the indictments and that type of thing, well, then Biden will win. 
Uh, it, it may very well be that simple. Another factor is that Trump is using a significant amount of campaign funds on his legal defense. Uh, this will take away from what uh, he can do on the campaign, which gets us to our, our last question. Can Trump win? No matter if you think um, that what is happening to Trump is fair or not, he is damaged goods. Uh, he has been targeted by the propaganda media and by the leftist liberals, but he has also done and said questionable things as well. It doesn't really matter what the reason for his negatives. Uh, he has a lot of real negatives. And the Democrats have one of the weakest candidates possible. And the fact that the Republicans might not be able to take advantage of what would be uh, what should be an easy win would be a real shame. Will the party go with Trump despite his negatives, or will it look to DeSantis, who has a proven conservative track record in Florida? Well, you tell me what you think. You can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. And thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.